you pursuing a natural lifestyle for yourself and your family? Are you concerned about the standard American diet and options available for healthcare? Are you curious about herbs for health or already practice home herbalism? You've come to the right place. My mom, Naomi Kilbrick, is a Christian clinical herbalist and owner of Lower Chi Wellness. She teaches simple ways to live in a more healthy way and to work with plants to promote and restore health. Welcome to the Family Herbalism Podcast. Welcome back to the Family Herbalism Podcast. You know, as often happens, I had a specific idea in mind about something that I wanted to talk about with you today, and then I realized that that really wasn't what was on my heart, and I feel that I can share things that are much more relevant with much more complete thought and helpful input if I'm talking about something that. I'm currently feeling passionate about, and I'm sure that that's true for most cases, but it just so happens that the past few weeks, we have really been focusing on joint health in our family, and if you have been following my weekly emails, then you already know that that has been a concern for us where we've been dealing with one of our kids and their five-year-old injury to their uh, to his knees and so I've been talking a lot about that in the emails and some recent developments have occurred that I'll be sharing uh, more about in my weekly email this week. If you aren't part of the weekly email, it's so easy to sign up. You just go to my website at laureltreewellnessllc.com and at the bottom of the website, there's a little box that you can type in your email address and sign up and then you'll get extra information each week about what's happening at Laurel Tree Wellness and some tips and tricks and things that are going on in the lives of my clients and my family. And so that's where I've been sharing about our personal experience. But this is something that's been on my mind. And I actually also have some clients that are ha- have been and are dealing with some joint issues. And so it just seemed applicable to talk about that today. So joints are, I feel like joints are something that we kind of take for granted, we just assume that our elbows and our knees and our hips and our back and all of those things are gonna be working just fine. And then suddenly something happens and injury occurs and they're not functioning and we realize how important our joints are for our comfort level and our general health. Uh, Our ability to function, to do our work, to go about our daily lives. And also I've noticed that as a culture, we tend to believe that as we grow older that it's normal to experience joint pain and stiffness and muscle issues around our joints, nerve pain, and that that's, that's to be expected. That that's just what happens as we get older. But I have seen enough and learned enough to know that that is not actually true. And all you have to do is look outside of our country at other countries where health is prioritized and people uh, focus on healthier diets and are more active and have fewer weight problems and you find that they are less likely to be experiencing joint pain as they get older or they recover faster from joint injuries. And so... Um, You know, the experiences that I've had with people have ranged quite a bit. I've had everything from clients with growth pains 
injuries that have been fairly extensive to arthritis, different types of arthritis, and even odd conditions like kyphosis of the neck and ankylosing spondylitis, which is an autoimmune condition, all kinds of different, very interesting conditions that can develop from just the joints not being healthy. And, you know, of course, if there is an autoimmune condition, there are other issues going on. And I do always point out with clients that the most effective way of treating a condition is to get to the root issue and figure out how did it happen in the first place? What caused this? What were the circumstances that allowed this to develop in the first place? Because oftentimes by getting to that root issue, you can be much more specific about what types of minerals and vitamins, what types of foods, what types of herbs, or what types of exercises are going to be most effective for them. And I also think that it's important to recognize that there are messages involved that we sometimes need to see and recognize in order to uh, allow our bodies to heal. You know, sometimes we do store memories, we do store emotions and experiences, and if we don't allow them to heal, then we are more likely to stuff and store those experiences and memories and uncomfortable emotions into our bodies, which results in all kinds of pain and disorders and inflammation and toxic developments and things like that. So getting to the root issues and exploring potential causes is really, really important. And while each case may be different and the types of recommendations that I would make would be very different from one person to the next, depending on what the situation is, there are definitely a number of ways that you can love on your joints regardless of the cause of your symptoms. So if you just want to start with some super simple, basic things, that's what we're going to talk about today. And really, even if your case requires more intense work, just starting with these things is going to take some work and they're going to help. They're going to make a difference. And then after you've developed a routine and incorporated these into your lifestyle, then you can work on, you know, uh, specific herbal remedies and perhaps some additional vitamin supplementation and things that would be especially helpful for your situation. But I always like to start with food because as they say, food is medicine and food can also be your poison depending on what you're eating. And you can add all the herbs that you want to add to your life. And if your diet sucks, then your health is going to suck and it's going to take a lot of a lot of herbs to replace the nutrients that are being lost or deprived because of what you're eating. And so Let's just be real. If you really want to heal, chances are you're going to have to really work on improving your diet and you're going to have to avoid things like processed foods, sugar, refined foods, fried foods, all the things that we, we all know are not good for us. You know, you could easily make a list. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. You <laughs> Most people can know right off the bat what are some things that they eat on a regular basis that they probably shouldn't be eating. And I bet you can think of a few right off the top of your head right now, some weaknesses that you have that maybe it would be better to not uh, eat those or drink those on a regular basis. The, these types of foods, they can, they can actually leach nutrients from our joints, from our bodies, 
they speed the breakdown process of tissues and speed up the aging process. And while it is easy to think that, oh, this one donut or this one cup of soda or, you know, this one, you know, stop at McDonald's is not going to do anything. It is the buildup of all of those things over time and where our bodies are not having a chance to detoxify and eliminate all of these toxins that they're literally building up in our system and causing problems over time. One one time of having, you know, something that we shouldn't eat realistically isn't going to do anything. You know, might give you an upset stomach if you're sensitive, might increase joint pain if you're sensitive. But realistically, it's the collective, uh, the collective habit of bad eating that causes a lot of problems for us. And so when I have someone that is struggling with joint pain, I always start with the food and I always suggest that they focus on eating just simpler foods, focus on things that are full of nutrients and remove things from the diet that they know they shouldn't be eating. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what foods could actually be at the root of the inflammation. And there could be a food that is causing inflammation and it can be different from one person to the next. So doing an elimination diet where you remove all potential offending foods for a few weeks and then slowly reintroduce them or slowly remove foods for a few days and then add back in until you can locate which are the foods that cause the most problems for you. Sometimes that can be helpful. A journal uh, can be helpful, especially if an elimination diet would be difficult. And you know, if you're if you're talking about doing this for a child or if you have allergies where you already have a limited diet, doing a diet diary or a journal can be helpful where you keep track of what you're eating and how you feel. And remember that it can take two, three, or more days for a food to actually cause symptoms. So this is a process that does take time. What I have found is that when you remove the most likely offenders from the diet for a few weeks, it allows the body to detox. You are no longer causing the body to have to tolerate foods. You know, it can't even focus on building health when, when your body is focusing on just surviving and getting through all of the inflammatory foods that we're throwing at it. So when you take those out for a few weeks, it gives your body a break. And you might not have a sudden increase in health at that point, but it is reducing the, the inflammation. It is helping to calm down extra heat and overactivation, overstimulation of the tissues because of all of that. And that causes pain. So you are helping your body in the long run that way. And what I have found is that when people do an elimination diet and they take the foods out, they might not actually notice a change in symptoms, but then when they start to reintroduce foods, they go, oh, wait a second, I was eating that and it was causing that pain because we get so used to the tiny little changes that happen over time that it's hard to notice the pain that's actually being caused by these these foods until we add them back in again. And part of that process is detoxification. So you can actually help your body to eliminate those toxins by adding in things that are going to help clean out your liver and clean out your your, um, digestive system, your kidneys and your skin and everything else that's part of the process of detoxification. 
So you're going to be focusing on foods that are rich in nutrients that your joints need. Minerals, vitamins, fats, yes, and other nutrients. Uh, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables. I'm going to list off some foods that are really, really important to incorporate into your diet. And then we'll talk a little bit about what that looks like. So leafy greens, cruciferous veggies, a variety of fruits. Cherries in particular are really great for joint health. Beans and lentils nuts and seeds, olive oil, both internally and externally. For some people that can really help with the pain from arthritis, um, fatty salt water fish, things like salmon and, uh, cod and mackerel and even tuna on occasion, seaweeds. I cannot get over <laughs> this enough. The, the seaweeds are so full of minerals and iodine and other nutrients that are really important for, uh, joint health. Bone broth is full of the nutrients that your body needs to create healthy cartilage and collagen in, in your bones and around your bones for lubrication and building. And they're all, it's also full of minerals that, that are helpful for bone growth as well. Root vegetables, garlic and onions. Garlic and onions are super great at detoxification and they're also rich in things like potassium and magnesium and calcium, uh, even sulfur too, which has been found to help people with arthritis. Garlic is very rich in sulfur. So getting lots of garlic in your diet is awesome. And whole grains like oats, millet, quinoa, barley, and rye. So you can buy bread that has a lot of those grains mixed in, but you can also buy them whole uh, if you have a way to grind them, you can grind them to make cereals, to bake into breads, uh, to spread into or onto things, add to soups. You can get creative, but there are lots of whole grains to work with, not just wheat, which can be inflammatory for some people. So if you focus on a diet that's rich in foods like these, that have simple ingredients and lots of nutrients, you will bring down inflammation and you will reduce your pain. And at the same time, you'll be rebuilding the bone and the muscle and the cartilage and all of those things that are super important to joint health. So even if you do nothing else, if you just focus on those foods, you will improve your joint health. And I definitely recommend that you start there. As well as food, Water is also extremely important. I kid you not. I have, I don't even want to know what the percentage is. So many of my clients who come in who realize that they need to improve their health have to work on their water intake. Most people, I would dare say, are dehydrated, chronically dehydrated. And our bodies, we know, are mostly made of water. We need water in order to function well. And our joints literally dry up. The cartilage, the sinews, like all of the connective tissue dry up when there is not enough water. And what do you think is going to happen when your joints dry up? It's going to cause pain. So if you are not drinking enough water, this is another very simple place to start to both prevent joint problems, to heal joint injuries, 
And if you have arthritis or another chronic joint condition, drinking more water will help. It, it Water is actually anti-inflammatory, believe it or not. It has anti-inflammatory properties and it does bring down swelling. Um, when our bodies are chronically deprived of things, they tend to grasp onto what little is available. And so one of the reasons that we do have chronic inflammation is because we're dehydrated and our bodies are literally grasping at water to hold onto it for fear that there won't be enough. So when you drink plenty of water, you're telling your body, oh no, it's okay, there's plenty of water, there's more coming, there's no reason to hold on to this, we can let it go. So water is really, really important and it will help with the pain as well. And so most people, I mean, really, if you're dehydrated, if you're not drinking enough water, just drink more. Don't focus necessarily on how much you should be drinking, just drink more. Uh, Sip on water through the day or flavor it if you need to. Drink seltzer if you need to. Clear teas, um, diluted juices, You can do infused waters if you don't like the flavor. Uh, You can also play tricks on yourself where you have to drink a glass of water before you can have your coffee in the morning or other ways. But whatever it is, however you need to be creative to get the water in, make sure that you're doing that. And before we leave the topic of food altogether, I would also like to put a um, a little note in here about overeating. And that is that if you are, you know, if you are overweight, that is going to put stress on your joints. And if you are overweight, possibly, maybe begin by working on reducing the amount that you're eating. But I would like to mention that if you begin to make these changes we've talked about where you're incorporating healthier foods and eliminating sugars and processed foods, you're probably going to eat less naturally anyways because healthier food is more rich in protein, which fills us up longer, and fiber, which helps our digestive systems or stomachs to fill up faster. And so you're less likely to overeat because you're just going to feel full when you eat these foods. Also, processed foods... Uh, all, you know, they all have, a lot of them have additives and they, you know, sugar is addictive. Refined foods are addictive. And so even if we're full, we tend to overeat when we're eating processed foods. So simply making that switch to healthier foods should make a big difference for you if you're working on reducing your weight or reducing your portion sizes. So if you have suffered an injury or have had a chronic joint problem for years, you might benefit from temporary supplementation of certain nutrients. But if you're focusing on a healthy diet after you've gone through a period of supplementing, after you've gone through an initial transformation of your diet, you probably won't need to take supplementation supplements of these nutrients that we've been talking about, like potassium and calcium and Uh, magnesium, vitamin B, vitamin C is really, really helpful. I actually have a client who gets vitamin C, um, I believe in a liquid form and applies it to her knees directly. And that helps with the inflammation and pain. So vitamin C is another great one. There are lots of really helpful nutrients that you can supplement for pain relief and inflammation relief of joints. 
but there are lots of other options too. So some more simple things that we can work with actually have to do with our lifestyles. So one thing that I do talk to my clients a lot about who are having chronic joint issues is their bedding. And bedding is something that I think doesn't get enough attention. You know, we we hear some people talk about pillows for shoulder pain or neck pain, but the mattress itself can make a big difference in the quality of sleep a person has when they have back pain, hip pain, knee pain, um, even, you know, shoulders, elbows, wrists, all of that is impacted by the quality of our bedding. So if your bed feels like a rock, or if you've had it for so long that it dips down in the middle, or there are springs coming up through or poking into your back, it is time to consider how you can get a new mattress. And I guarantee that will make a big difference in the quality of your sleep, which makes everything better, and it will likely improve your joint health during the day. And I can tell you that from personal experience, uh, my husband has had issues with his shoulders, and when we uh, we got a mattress pad to put on top of our mattress, which was very hard, and it added, uh, I think it was, I think it was at least two inches, made a big difference in his comfort level. So definitely look at the quality of your bedding. Shoes is another thing that we spend a lot of time in. And if you are experiencing any kind of back pain or knee pain, you will want to look at the quality of your shoes. So you want to make sure that they have good, adequate support. Actually getting fitted for shoes may be worthwhile. At the same time, giving your body opportunity to be barefoot for a while is actually really important for your health in many ways, but also partly because you get a lot of feedback in your body from what you feel through your feet. And if you're barefoot, your body is going to have an easier time figuring out how to adjust to the level of the ground, to what you're stepping on. There are very, very fine adjustments that your structural system has to make when you're barefoot. And so there are a lot of proponents out there for wearing shoes that have very thin bottoms so that you're almost barefoot as you're walking around. But if you're able to go barefoot outside for a short time every day, walk to the mailbox maybe, or even just walking around your house barefoot where you can feel the floor, it's not quite the same thing as being outside, but it's still going to benefit you uh, if you do that for a period of time every day. And also, I would like you to think about what you spend most of your day doing. You know, if at work you are on your knees a lot, or if you sit a lot, or if you're lifting things a lot, or at home if you're doing the same sorts of things, think about what you spend a lot of time doing and what joints and muscles you use a lot. And consider how you can focus on supporting those areas of your body through stretches, through, um, you know, even deep breathing and relaxation movements, alternating your movements. So for example, it's really important to get exercise every day. And that is important for joint health because it does help to circulate the blood and bring nutrients to the joints where they need to go. But you don't, if you spend all day walking at work, 
you don't want to come home and then do more walking, right? That's not the appropriate exercise for you. So you need to think about what exercises would work different parts of the body aside from what you normally use all day long to help with that evenness of circulation and bringing nutrients where they need to go. But simple stretches for joint health are really helpful. Um, I oftentimes will direct clients to YouTube for specific videos that are really helpful for different areas of the body. But if you look up stretches for and then enter the the joints that you're struggling with, you're going to find tons and tons of videos of varying lengths from different providers. There's chiropractors, massage therapists, physical therapists, all kinds of different people online that make videos on how you can do certain stretches for different parts of the body. And that is another really great place to go for simple ideas that you can incorporate into your daily routine. All right, so we've talked about food. We've talked about water. We've talked about bedding and footwear and stretches. So those are some really awesome basic things that you can do regardless of what's going on with your joints and what the cause was. But as an herbalist, I have to tell you there are so many options for herbs that can help with joint health. And in fact, I was going back through my notes today looking at some of the clients that I've worked with for joint health. And I have over 20 herbs that I regularly work with for different joint related conditions with others that I will often use as um you know, herbs to balance out different herbal remedies that I create for different reasons that kind of complete their tissue state picture. But there are regularly over 20 that I work with. And 20 is way too many to share with you in a podcast. So what I decided to do was share my top five, which was super hard to choose choose from. And so I'm going to talk to you about those five today. And then after this is over, if you feel like you need help choosing which herbs to work with or trying to create an herbal remedy that combines some of these or adds others depending on your symptoms, certainly reach out to me on my website, laureltreewellnessllc.com. You can find information about how to work with me one-on-one and I can help you to create a custom plan. But each one of these herbs you could take individually and I will explain how to take them and what cautions you should be aware of. And this would be a really good start. Uh, All of these are easily accessible either through your local natural health food store or online. Uh, MountainRoseHerbs.com is a great place to go. Wildly 207 is currently uh, has their store closed, but you can get their herbs through me, the ones that I have on hand, and Fresh New Life Homestead, who is on Facebook, and you can find her uh, for some single herbs as well. All right, so my number one herb, I feel like I should do a drum roll, drum roll here. I'm wondering if anyone can guess what is on my mind. The number one herb that I often recommend is called Solomon seal root. Solomon seal root is sweet and cooling and it has an oily consistency, which is so awesome for joints. 
And in fact, it actually heals muscles and tendons and it softens and moistens and seals them back together. This makes it really awesome for people who have scoliosis where the vertebrae in their back are misaligned and have a hard time staying in, in line. They're, they're too loose and relaxed and form in different places. It's also great for people who have hyperflexibility and especially those who get a lot of body work done through massage therapy or chiropractor work and find that the results don't last because things just continue to pop out of place again because it's so loose. But it can also be, so it can be great for people who have loose tissues and also super tight ones. It really just balances it out. It's also really helpful for people who have repetitive use injuries or tendinitis, um, places where there has been a lot of tension-bearing processes going on or weight-bearing structures that are being injured repetitively. And so in these cases, you often see that the bones are dry, that there is not much moisture, circulation, nutrition getting to the bones. And so the Solomon seal helps to lubricate and bring that moisture back in again. But interestingly, it also is helpful for putting calcium where it belongs. So for people who have broken bones or osteoporosis, it helps to recalcify those areas. But for people who have bone spurs or arthritis where the calcium is being deposited where it shouldn't be, it helps to decalcify them and reabsorb that calcium. And so it works really well in either way. It's very balancing as are most herbs, but it's very balancing in this area. So Solomon's seal is best taken in tincture form, although I have had success working with it for clients in capsule form as well. And in tincture form, you would take about 10 drops two to three times a day is a good baseline for what I would recommend. If you're going to take it in capsule form, usually herbs are about 500 milligrams per capsule, and I would take two to three a day for an injury or chronic illness. My next favorite herb for joint health is horsetail. Horsetail is a very unique plant and it uh, grows in a lot of moist places and sometimes we find that herbs that are helpful for certain conditions grow where the conditions are very similar in, in the wild. So horsetail is also cooling, it's a little a little bit bitter, and it's also drying. So it's really great for inflammation. It is uh, rich in flavonoids and certain minerals, but its greatest reputation comes from the amount of silica that is in this plant. It has about 8, 8% of its content is silica, which is the highest plant source of silica that we are aware of which makes it really great for rebuilding collagen and healing wounds. And it's actually really great for strengthening hair and fingernails and teeth, which are made out of pretty much the same minerals that our bones are made out of. So it's awesome for osteoarthritis. It's great for reducing pain from rheumatism and gout. And so generally, it's just very nutritional and supportive of joint health. You can drink it in tea or take it in tincture form. You can also put it in the bathtub and take a bath, which is said to be very helpful for those who have arthritic type pains. 
The one caution is that you should not take it internally for long periods of time without a thiamine or B1 supplement because it has thiamine, thiaminase, excuse me, an enzyme that breaks it down, which causes a deficiency. And so you can combine it with something like oats, which are really rich in vitamin B, or you can take it for a month or two and then just take a break for another month. And that way you're giving your body a break from that enzyme. Uh, but it's, you know, it's so, it's so helpful that for short periods of time, it's totally worth it for a lot of people. All right. So number three is mullein and mullein is one that commonly grows wild around here, just like horsetail. Mullein is also oily. It is a little bit salty and it's definitely moistening. So we have another herb that really just brings moisture and soothing qualities to the joints. It's super rich in minerals and flavonoids that are needed for the joints, just like um, just like the Solomon seal, and it has potassium and magnesium and calcium and all those important things. It makes it really great for tendons and ligaments and also the bones, like all the different parts of the joints, it's really helpful for. It can reduce swellings that are associated with sprains. It can reduce pain. Um, one of the things that makes mullein interesting is that it's really awesome at moving moisture. So it can moisten things, but that doesn't mean that if your joints are inflamed that you shouldn't take mullein. And in fact, what it can do is take pooling moisture, so edema and inflammation, and move it out of that area. It does that really well in the lungs, but it also does that really well in the joints. And so it does help when you have either dry synovial type membranes, making them soft and pliable, but it can also help when you have arthritic swelling and things like that. Um, because it helps to lubricate the bones, it is associated with straightening of the vertebrae because usually when the vertebrae get dried out, they get stuck in places they shouldn't be and then they can't move even if we're doing the body work bringing in mullein and other herbs that help to soothe and moisten those bones allow it the ability to move back into place again. This also makes it really helpful for broken bones and fractures where you need to have moistening, you need to have moistening of those areas to bring in the nutrients so that it can heal better. And you can use mullein in either tea or tincture form. I've used both. You know, I think sometimes, you know, you might get certain minerals a little bit more in your tea than in your tincture. You might get certain chemical properties more in the tincture than the tea. But oftentimes it really comes down to what form are you most likely to be consistent with because you're going to benefit regardless. You're going to get a lot of those benefits either way. But the important thing is that you're taking it on a daily basis in order to really improve your health. So if you feel that taking a tincture where you can just put a few drops in your mouth or a capsule so you don't have to taste, taste it, then that's great. Or if you really enjoy drinking tea, then maybe that's your thing instead of capsules. You know, whatever it is that you prefer, most herbs can be uh, interchangeable in their forms that you take them in. 
All right, let's move on to number four, which is comfrey. And probably some of you are wondering, why did you take this long to mention comfrey? Because that's like your most favorite herb altogether. And it is one that I've had a lot of experience with. Comfrey, oh my goodness, where do I even start? Comfrey is drying in nature, but it has a lot of mucilage properties to it. So it can dry out areas that are edemic or, you know, full of fluid, but they can also moisten bones like we talked about with the mullein. It has a cucumber-like taste, and it's actually related to borage. Uh, Both of them taste a little bit like cucumbers, and uh, I'm not actually sure if they come from the cucumber family or what gives it that taste, but I know that those plants do have similar chemical properties and nutritive properties that allow them to function in similar ways. So comfrey is extremely anti-inflammatory. Like I have never seen anything as anti-inflammatory as comfrey. Um, I have some really incredible stories, which I believe I've mentioned at least some of in the second episode of this podcast. So if you haven't listened to number two, you should go back and listen to that one because I talk a lot about the things that I love about comfrey, one of which is how anti-inflammatory it is. But it's also really, really awesome for healing bones. And in fact, one of its nicknames is uh, knit bone. And there are some others that have very similar language around comfrey and its actions. What it has is a chemical called allantoin, which regenerates connective tissues and other tissues. And that literally helps to knit things back together again. And it's so effective that when you use it for skin wounds, you really have to make sure that the area is clean and that there's no infection present because it will literally knit the skin back together and close in any infection that might have been there. So that's one caution when you use it topically. You have to make sure that if it's on broken skin, that there's no, so, no sign of infection at all. But allantoin helps to regenerate that tissue. So it's also great for muscle damage if there are sprains or strains or any kind of, uh, you know, weight bearing, you know, problems that happened um, like tendonitis or osteoarthritis that comes from wear and tear. It really helps to rebuild those joints. Uh, It can also help with pain and... um, you know, like gout and rheumatism and other forms of arthritis, the stiffness because it's working on the muscles, fractures, again, talking about the bones. So really when I'm looking at issues like this with comfrey, I'm looking at applying it topically. I do have it in salve form, but sometimes if there's a lot of inflammation or a lot of pain, I will just go straight to doing a poultice or a compress where I can really soak in those chemicals right through the skin into that joint. And so it's super easy to do. You just make a tea. If you have it dried, you make a tea out of the dried comfrey, dip a washcloth into that uh, tea, and then apply the washcloth to the swollen area or the affected area, and it will help. Another option is actually to make an ice pack which works really well if there's a lot of inflammation and you can make an ice pack by making that same tea and then pouring it over maxi pads and putting them in the freezer. And that can be applied topically for a lot of relief, especially if there's joint damage due to some type of recent injury. It works really well in that case. 
So you can take it internally. Some people do like to eat the leaves in salad or to drink it as a tea or a tincture. You can do this for a couple of weeks at a time, but it's often discouraged to take comfrey internally for long periods because it has pyrolizidine alkaloids, which can concentrate in the liver and cause problems. It can cause the liver to stop detoxifying the system, which which can be very dangerous long-term. So comfrey actually has a type of pyrolizidine that is very mild. And so when you're looking at all the plants that have these alkaloids, your comfrey is on the lower end of the danger scale. And there have been people who have eaten it and drank the tea of it for years and years and years and years and never had a problem. The only cases of toxicity have happened to people who are taking excessive amounts, uh, really excessive amounts for periods of time. So I feel perfectly safe taking this for, especially for injuries and short-term use. But honestly, you can get a lot of benefit just from working with it topically. It's very, very healing. And finally, I would like to share with you about St. John's wort. St. John's wort also grows locally. Comfrey does grow wild. Um, Honestly, I think it comes mostly from escaped gardens. I've heard of it growing wild, but there's usually a source for it because I don't think it originally grew around here. Mullen grows wild in Maine. Horsetail grows wild in Maine. Solomon seal, I've heard it does, but I have not found it yet. So uh, with the exception of the comfrey and the Solomon seal, all of these I have found wild. So St. John's wort is cooling and drying. It's a little bit bitter, a little sweet. Most people think of it when they're thinking about nerve health, nervous system health, emotions, nerve pain and injuries. And that is important for joint health because what you're feeling when the joints are having problems is the signals from your nerves. And oftentimes the nerves are getting pinched in cases like sciatica, which is partially a bone issue and partly a nerve issue. St. John's wort does help to restore nerve uh, nerve function and health, and it does help to reduce inflammation. Um, it also helps to reduce pain from arthritis and different types of joint issues. But I think it also indirectly helps you know, through those methods, it also helps the bone health and muscles around those areas. St. John's word is very soothing. It's restorative. It's uplifting. And so when you combine all these different facets, it's very easy to see why it actually would make a big difference for a lot of people. And some people just really enjoy applying the oil, the infused oil topically. I have clients who do that for joint pain and it relieves the discomfort so much and helps with the inflammation. So all it is is an oil that's been in like like olive oil or avocado oil or coconut oil or whatever. And it's infused with the St. John's wort flowers for a number of weeks. And then you apply that topically and the oil has infused uh, has been infused with a lot of those chemical properties, nutritional properties. So you can apply it topically um, if you have like a localized area that you're working on. But if this is systemic and you have a lot of joint issues, you might actually benefit from taking it in, you know, drinking it as a tea or taking it in tincture form. The only caution is that 
you should not take it internally if you are also taking antidepressants or if your family has a history of um, severe depression or bipolar issues, I would be concerned about the potential impact. And also if you have any kind of condition that causes photosensitivity like lupus, because it can increase slightly your body's absorption of rays to the point that for some people, it can lead to a sunburn. For most people, it doesn't. Um, and most people, it would be perfectly safe to apply topically as an oil. But those are just some concerns that I just want to make sure that everyone knows about them. All right. So there we have Solomon Seal, Horsetail, Mullen, Comfrey, and St. John's Wort. And each of these are very powerful for joint health. As I said, there are a lot more options that we can work with. I mean, you have nettle and um, you've got, let's see here, trying to think white willow that has salicin in it, which is a pain reliever, devil's claw, cat's claw. There's so many out there, but these are some great places to start. And so I would definitely encourage you to begin action right away. T choose maybe two or three things, especially the water and dietary things. Start with two or three things, apply them right away. And if you need any additional support, please reach out. I'm happy to help. It's so good to have you listening. I appreciate all of you here. I hope you have a wonderful week and we will talk soon. The Family Herbalism Podcast is created for educational purposes only. You are responsible for any and all medical and health decisions you choose to make. If you experience a medical emergency, please contact appropriate medical providers. To receive herbalist support, please visit www.laureltreewellnessllc.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it helpful, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening.